You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Wednesday, November 2nd, 2022. Coming up this hour. Wall Street prepares for today's Fed decision and news conference. Amazon freezes hiring in one of its profitable businesses. Three big pharmacy chains reach a multi-billion dollar settlement in the opioid crisis. And financial leaders take stock of the global economy at a summit in Hong Kong. Two Newark police officers were shot as the suspect remains on the loose, plus campaigning with only six days until the midterm election. Elections. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stanshower in sports. The Nets made a coaching change and then lost. The local hockey teams all won. The Phillies shut out the Astros in Game 3 of the World Series. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business App. Good morning. I'm Karen Moscow. I'm Nathan Hager. Bloomberg Daybreak is brought to you by Cone Resnick Advisory Assurance Tax. Visit Cone Resnick C-Suite dashboard to get the insights and intelligence you need to stay ahead. Visit ConeResnick.com slash C-Suite. Then U.S. futures higher this morning, 601 on Wall Street. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day. On Bloomberg, S&P futures up four points. Dow futures, little change. NASDAQ futures up 25. And the 10-year Treasury, little change. Yield 4.04%. Yield on the two-year, 4.51%. Nathan. Karen, we begin with today's Fed decision and news conference from Chair Jay Powell. Wall Street's been waiting for it all week, and we get a preview from Bloomberg Economics correspondent Michael McKee. The focus of the November Fed meeting is going to be the December Fed meeting. Once again, central bankers have told us they intend to raise interest rates by three-quarters of a percentage point to 4% this week. But there have also been some hints from some Fed officials and some data that they might dial back to a half-point rise in December and a quarter-point rise after that. Much will depend on how the economy develops, but markets would like a better idea of just how high the Fed will go. Answering that question without creating more market volatility will be Chairman Jay Powell's main job after Wednesday's meeting. Michael McKee, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Mike, thanks. And stay with Bloomberg Radio and Television for live analysis of the Fed decision. It all begins at 1.30 p.m. Wall Street time on a special edition of Bloomberg Surveillance. Well, as-
As we await that policy decision, Nathan, the chorus is growing louder that rate hikes will eventually lead to a recession. Luke Ellis is chief executive officer of Man Group. You're going to get a recession in the U.S. That's sort of inevitable. They want to get rid of inflation. If they want to get inflation down to a 2% target, then yes. I'm sorry, there is a theoretical soft landing runway, but it's so thin you wouldn't want to try to land a plane in a hurricane in it. Man Group CEO Luke Ellis sees U.S. inflation slowing to 35 to 4% as soon as next year. Well, Karen, M&A on Wall Street's been slowing down, but David Solomon expects that to change. The Goldman Sachs CEO sees a recovery in deal-making next year, and he's speaking about that and the current state of financial markets. Generally speaking, when we've had these periods in the past, it takes somewhere between two and four quarters, sometimes maybe six quarters, you know, to rebalance. I think we're going through that rebalancing period. I think there's still a significant amount of uncertainty, but as we get into 2023 and we start to have a clear understanding of the trajectory of capital markets. Goldman Sachs CEO David Solomon made the comments at today's Global Financial Investment Summit in Hong Kong. Solomon is one of several financial leaders attending that summit, Nathan. HSBC CEO Noel Quinn is also there, and we caught up with him to discuss the impact COVID is having on the Chinese economy. The COVID is a big story because with with a restriction in movement into an area of China, it's very hard for the international community to reconnect with that economy. But it will rebound, and China will open up at some point in time. But I think it is important for the economy, for China eventually, to find a solution to the COVID strategy. HSBC's Noel Quinn sees Asia as a strong platform for growth. Well, stocks in Asia rose again overnight, Karen. On optimism, COVID restrictions will ease. Let's get the recap from Bloomberg's Juliet Sally in Singapore. Good morning, Juliet. Good morning, Nathan and Karen. Afternoon trade in Hong Kong was halted due to a storm. However, the Hang Seng Index still posted its best two-day gain since March. Mainland shares also climbed as investors tried to weigh speculation that China may scrap its COVID zero policy. In Taipei, Honhai shares rose despite China locking down the Zhengzhou Airport Economy Zone, where Foxconn's iPhone plant is located to cut the COVID spread. And the yen strengthened for a second straight day, with traders considering the risk that a hawkish Fed may boost the dollar to levels that trigger fresh intervention on a Japanese holiday. In Singapore, Juliet Sali, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Juliet, thanks. Staying in China now, Bloomberg News has learned that Tesla shut its flagship showroom in Beijing last month. The electric car maker has a number of showrooms in China's capital, and the one now shuttered was in a shopping center in a residential area. For the most part, Tesla sells cars via an online direct sales model rather than through dealerships or showrooms. In other corporate news, Karen, Amazon's taking more measures to align its expenses with a slowdown in sales. We get the details from Bloomberg's Lisa Mateo. Bloomberg News has learned that the world's largest e-commerce company is freezing staffing levels in its profitable advertising business. The decision to keep the advertising unit workforce at its current level shows Amazon is looking to squeeze more profit out of the fast-growing business in the busy holiday quarter. Amazon's advertising business, largely sponsored search results on its web store, generated more than $9.5 billion last quarter. Lisa Mateo, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Lisa, thanks. Shares of Airbnb on the move this morning, down more than 6% in early trading. That's after a disappointing outlook for bookings in the fourth quarter. And we get the details from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. It suggests that consumer preferences are shifting away from higher-cost rentals that thrive during the pandemic and back to urban and cross-border destinations. The San Francisco-based home-sharing platform said it expects the pace of nights and experiences booked will, quote, moderate slightly in the fourth quarter compared with the third quarter's gain of 25%. Airbnb reported 99.7 million nights and experiences booked in the three months ended in September, 
falling short of analyst estimates of 99.9 million. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Charlie, thank you. Finally, it is one of the last big settlements over the opioid epidemic. Sources tell us CVS Health, Walgreens Boots Alliance, and Walmart have tentatively agreed to pay $12 billion to resolve state and local lawsuits over mishandling of addictive painkillers. We're told the deal won't be finalized until enough states, cities, and counties agree to it. And S&P futures are a little change this morning. So are Dow futures. NASDAQ futures up about 20. Ten-year Treasury, little change. Yield 4.04% and a yield on the two-year, 4.51%. And NYMEX crude oil is down a tenth of a percent. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports. And this is Bloomberg. Experience at 607 on Wall Street. We're at 57 degrees in Central Park. We have a service suspension on the New Jersey Transit's northeast corridor between Trenton and Rahway. Tell you more in traffic. First, Michael Barr with what else is going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. Two Newark police officers were wounded in a shooting in a residential neighborhood not far from the city's airport. The Essex County Prosecutor's Office says the officers were being treated for injuries at a nearby hospital. Both are said to be in stable condition. Essex County Acting Prosecutor Ted Stevens says the suspected shooter, Kendall Howard, faces charges and remains on the loose. Two counts of attempted murder on the officers, as well as unauthorized possession of a weapon and unauthorized possession of a weapon for unlawful purposes. Prosecutor Stevens says the gunman opened fire on police as they were serving a search warrant. A New York appeals court upheld a new state law allowing absentee ballots to be reviewed before Election Day. The court says it would be extremely disruptive to change the rules with absentee voting already underway. Republicans challenged the law. Former President Obama stumped for Democrats last night in Las Vegas with less than a week to go before the midterm elections. Obama campaigned for incumbent Catherine Cortez Masto in Nevada's Senate race. Obama was critical of Republicans. They want to gut Social Security and Medicare and then give their wealthy friends and big corporations more tax cuts. Polls show a dead heat between Masto and Republican Adam Laxalt. Another closely watched Senate race is in Pennsylvania between Democrat John Fetterman and Republican Mehmet Oz. Dr. Oz hit the campaign trail in Lower Bucks County, speaking at a get-out-the-vote rally in Ben Salem Township last night. Washington's getting it wrong because of the extreme positions that they're accepting of. And they need a dose of Pennsylvania reality. Fetterman's lead over Oz is shrinking, with 49% supporting Fetterman to 44% for Oz. Former Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu appears to be heading toward victory in national elections. With about 80% of the ballots counted, voters gave him and his far-right allies what looks to be a stable majority in the country's parliament. Brazilian President Jair Bolsonaro vowed to respect the Constitution and authorized the government to start the political transition after his loss to Luis Ignacio Lula da Silva. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. Thanks, Michael. Almost 6.10 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update brought to you by Tri-State Audi with John Stashauer. All right, Nathan, these are good times in Philadelphia. The Eagles are 7-0. The Phillies are two wins from OV, just their third ever World Series title. They took game three over the heavily favored Astros, 7 to nothing. Phillies hit five home runs. 
Houston only had five hits. The series is 2-1, game four in Philly tonight. A whirlwind day in Brooklyn. The Nets had a, quote, parting of the ways with Coach Steve Nash just seven games into the season, and then multiple reports they're on the verge of replacing Nash with M.A. Udoka, Nash assistant in Brooklyn. He then coached the Celtics to the NBA Finals last season, but he's now serving a team-imposed year-long suspension for an improper relationship with a Celtics employee. Jacques Vaughn coached the Nets last night at Barclays. They blew a lead. Chicago won 108-99. to Zach Levine outscored the Nets by himself in the fourth quarter. Rough game for Kyrie Irving. He shot 2 of 12, missed all six of his three-pointers. The Nets are 2-6. and six. At the Garden, Rangers and Flyers scoreless for 64 minutes. Here's Hayes into the Rangers zone, down the right side. Back out, connecting, shoots, misses the net. Buck Harris all the way around. Here comes Ivanajad, lead pass, breakaway. Chris Kreider moving in, in overtime, Deeks, and scores! Rangers win! In New York to call the Kreider game winner. Rangers third straight win after a four-game skid. The Devils have won four straight, seven of eight. They won 5-2 at Vancouver, and the fourth straight win for the Islanders. 3-1 at Chicago. First rankings of the college football playoff committee. The top four are Tennessee, Ohio State, Georgia, and Clemson. Tennessee plays Georgia Saturday. John Stash, our Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? All right, John, thanks. Futures trading a little change now ahead of the Fed decision. We're seeing S&P futures higher by three points. Dow futures a little change now. NASDAQ futures up 24. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg Sports brought to you by Audi. Don't let someone else drive off in the Audi model you've always wanted. Visit your local tri-state Audi dealer to get behind the wheel of yours today or visit AudiOffers.com for more information. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. I'm Karen Moscow, and this update is brought to you by Commonwealth, supporting more than 2,000 independent financial advisors with the solutions they need to grow a thriving business. Commonwealth, go where you grow. Visit Commonwealth.com to learn more. And NASDAQ futures are on the rise this morning. While S&P futures are little changed ahead of the Federal Reserve's policy meeting, we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. NASDAQ futures up 20 points this morning. And again, S&P futures as well as Dow futures are little changed. The DAX in Germany, little changed as well. And the 10-year Treasury down 132nd, yield 4.04%. Yield on the two-year, 4.51%. NYMEX crude oil is down a quarter percent, or 24 cents, at $88.12 a barrel. COMEX gold up half percent, or $8.30, at $16.57.80 an ounce. The euro, 0.9902 against the dollar. British pound, 1.1490. And the yen, 147.14. And looking at Bitcoin this morning, it is down four tenths percent now at twenty thousand four hundred dollars. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. Brazilian President Jair Bolsonaro reportedly told members of the country's Supreme Court that his election battle against leftist rival Luis Ignacio Lula da Silva has come to an end, marking one step closer toward a concession after his defeat. Israel's fifth election in four years looks set to return Benjamin Netanyahu to power 
with exit polls suggesting his strategy of forming an alliance with the nation's far right has succeeded. Game three of the World Series, the Phillies shut out the Astros, seven zip. Philadelphia now leads the series two games to one. NBA after the firing of head coach Steve Nash, the Nets lost to the Bulls, 108-99. The Warriors lost. NHL, the Rangers won in overtime against the Flyers, one zip. The Islanders, Devils, and Capitals all won. The Bruins won in OT 6-5 over the Penguins. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg Nathan. Thank you, Michael. It is 619 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak, brought to you by BNY Mellon's Pershing. Learn why the world's most sophisticated wealth management and institutional firms rely on Pershing to help them improve profitability, create efficiency, attract talent, and manage risk at Pershing.com. Joining us now live from Washington, D.C., ahead of the Federal Reserve decision and the J-PAL press conference, Bloomberg Global Economics and Policy Correspondent Michael McKee, who will be there when Powell addresses the media this afternoon. Mike, good morning. Seems like 75 basis points is kind of in the bag. And you kind of get this feeling that a lot of market participants are already looking ahead to December. That's uh, pretty much the case, Nathan. It, it is all about December today because the Fed has pretty much told us it's going to be 75 basis points today. There are no new dot plots or projections for uh, economic indicators. So the only thing that Wall Street really wants to know is what do they do next? Because there's talk now of them stepping down to maybe a 50 basis point move. And there are questions about how high they're eventually going to go. So that's going to be the focus for people, uh, particularly when Jay Powell has his press conference. Yeah, I guess uh, all the attention will be on the press conference, but I wonder how much the chairman uh, can or will say about what kind of impact uh, the policy tightening is having on the economy when we aren't going to get those new economic projections from the statement today. That's going to be a kind of a key question because if he sounds too dovish, then the markets are going to rally and that's going to work against the Fed. Financial conditions will ease. So he's got to walk a fine line between saying things are still terrible uh, and things are getting better. And that fine line is the sort of center point of an argument between two camps of economists, one that say uh, says that inflation is still way too high and the Fed must uh, do what it can to stomp it out, and others who say, well, you know, the policies work with a lag, so maybe the Fed should slow down, look around and see what impact it is already having on the economy. Now, you've been talking to a a lot of uh, Fed governors, a lot of open market committee members ahead of this meeting. Given what they've been telling you, Mike, is there any possibility that we could see a little bit more dissent in the vote coming out of this meeting? Well, it's always a possibility, uh, but given the fact that it's a uh, sort of baked-in situation with 75 basis points, it doesn't argue that maybe there should be a dissent. Uh, there could be because maybe somebody wants to get it on record that they think that, that it's time for the Fed to slow down. But uh, that really won't influence uh, what the overall Fed does, and it really won't influence the markets uh, since the Fed has uh, already told us what they're going to do. And, uh, you know, Jay Powell is the one who counts. So his news conference will sort of override the impact of any dissent. 
Are you looking for any uh, clearer signals from Powell today on what kind of impact the policy tightening is having on the economy, whether the Fed is starting to get more open to the idea that the slowdown we're seeing could be leading to a recession? Well, that's kind of a key question that would lead you to to, uh, the other question of how high rates should go. And Powell, again, uh, doesn't want to talk down the economy, but he also doesn't want to uh, say it's too good uh, because that will uh, maybe make him seem a little too hawkish. So be interesting to see how he describes it and how he would describe it some months out. The favorite indicator that uh, the Fed watches, according to Jay Powell, in terms of uh, yield curves is three months and uh, three month futures 18 months out. And that curve is just about to invert. And he has said when that inverts, it's a signal the Fed probably needs to cut rates. So Hmm. it's going to be interesting to see how that part of the yield curve behaves when uh, the Fed meeting is over today. Okay, so just 30 seconds left here, Mike. What are you going to ask, Chairman Powell? I might ask him about that uh, yield curve. That's going to be uh, an important question for uh, the future. And I'm also curious about, I I think I know what he's going to say about politics and the fact that there's an election in a week. Uh, But, uh, you know, how's all this pressure weighing on him? Yeah, it's been interesting when we started to hear even more uh, Democrats ahead of the midterm uh, signaling that they would like to see the Fed slow down on rates. But we'll leave it there for now, Mike. We know you got a very busy day ahead, of course. Michael McKee, Bloomberg Economics and Policy correspondent with us this morning from our Bloomberg 99.1 studios in Washington, D.C. But later on, he's going to be a few blocks west at the Federal Reserve for Chairman Powell's news conference. 2 p.m. Wall Street time, we get the decision. 2.30 is when the news conference begins. Our coverage begins at 1.30 on a special edition of Bloomberg Surveillance across Bloomberg Radio and Television. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. And Bloomberg Daybreak is brought to you by Anshin Accountants and Advisors, the right fit tax and accounting firm that you need to succeed. Visit them at Anshin.com slash VIP to learn more. That's Anshin.com slash VIP. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 99.1. To Boston. Bloomberg 1061. To San Francisco. Bloomberg 960. To the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. At 6.30 on Wall Street, good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow, and we are just about three hours away from the open of U.S. trading. It is time for the five things that you need to know to start your day, brought to you by Interactive Brokers. Interactive Brokers charges margin loan rates from 3.58% to 4.58%. Rates subject to change. Learn more at ibkr.com slash compare. Up first, S&P futures are a little change this morning ahead of today's Federal Reserve decision. Consensus calls for a rate hike of 75 basis points. Stiefel, Chief Economist Lindsay Piegza says forward guidance will be very important. 
I do expect that given the backdrop of a five-decade low in the unemployment rate and a near four-decade high in inflation, the Fed will continue to revise higher expectations beyond what the market is anticipating in terms of that terminal rate come 2023. And that's Stiefel's Lindsay Piegza there. Stick with Bloomberg Radio and Television for complete coverage of the Fed with a special edition of Bloomberg Surveillance Live at 1.30 p.m. Wall Street time. Well, recession calls are growing amid aggressive rate hikes, Karen. When it comes to earnings, recession signs are likely to creep in next quarter. That's according to Mainstay Capital Chief Investment Officer David Kudla. Earnings a little more resilient than what many had thought. So earnings not being impacted as much by the slowdown in the economy, the Fed action. So what's the expectation? We'll see that next quarter. We'll get our earnings recession next quarter. Mainstay Capital's David Kudla says it's unclear exactly when rate hikes will filter into the broader economy. Overseas financial leaders meet in Asia and share their thoughts on volatile global markets. Here's Goldman Sachs CEO David Solomon. We've had these periods in the past. It takes somewhere between two and four quarters, sometimes maybe six quarters, you know, to rebalance. I think we're going through that rebalancing period. And Goldman Sachs CEO David Solomon made the comments at the Global Financial Investment Summit in Hong Kong. HSBC CEO Noel Quinn is also there, Karen. He spoke with us about China's economic outlook and HSBC's business there. It's a consumption market that no one in the world can afford to just walk away from, in my view, in, in that it's got a huge opportunity. It's still a very significant supplier to the world as an export market. So I believe in the economic prospects of China. HSBC's Noel Quinn says China will find a solution to its COVID-0 strategy. And we've been telling you about this tentative pact between CVS, Walmart, and Walgreens. Well, CVS has agreed to pay about $5 billion over the next 10 years, beginning in 2023, to substantially resolve all opioid lawsuits and claims against the company by states, political subdivisions, and countries. And straight ahead, your latest local headlines, and this is Bloomberg. Thanks, Karen. It's 633 on Wall Street, now 56 degrees in Central Park. 45-minute delays on the New Jersey Transit Northeast Corridor after an early suspension there. Michael Barr is here with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Michael. Thank you very much, Nathan. Police in Newark, New Jersey, are looking for the gunman who shot and wounded two police officers outside of an apartment building in a residential neighborhood. Police believe the man was hiding in an apartment as authorities were evacuating residents to safety. New York Mayor Roz Baraka. We'll bring this guy uh, into custody uh, as, as soon as we possibly can. Mayor Baraka says the wounded officers are in stable condition. The Supreme Court has rejected Senator Lindsey Graham's request to block a Georgia grand jury subpoena. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has the story. This clears the way for Graham to have to testify in front of the Atlanta Special Grand Jury, which is investigating efforts to overturn the 2020 presidential election in Georgia. Graham had filed an emergency request asking the justices to halt the testimony, which is currently scheduled for November 17th. The court ruled that Graham's attorneys do have the right to object to questions on a case-by-case basis, which could leave substantial room for him to challenge questions or requests from the grand jury. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. Former President Barack Obama at a campaign rally last night in Las Vegas asked voters to support the incumbent Democratic Senator Catherine Cortez Masta in next Tuesday's midterm election. He told the Get Out the Vote rally that casting a vote is important for democracy. The only way to save democracy is if we together fight for it. 
Masta is in a tight race against Republican Adam Laxalt. Brazilian President Jair Bolsonaro vowed to respect the Constitution and authorize the government to start the political transition after his loss to Luis Ignacio Lula da Silva. Israel's fifth election in four years looks set to return Benjamin Netanyahu to power, with exit polls suggesting a strategy of forming an alliance with the nation's far right has succeeded. The suspect accused of breaking into Speaker Nancy Pelosi's home in San Francisco and attacking her husband will remain behind bars without bail. An attorney for David DePop entered a plea of not guilty. San Francisco District Attorney Brooke Jenkins said this attack shows the nation's politics have become too heated. We have become a society that thinks it's acceptable to incite violent acts against our political leaders, and we can't be that type of America. D.A. Jenkins. Air raid sirens sounded in South Korea after the North fired about a dozen missiles in its direction today. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg Nathan. Yes, it is. Thank you, Michael. 636 on Wall Street and John Stashar is a Bloomberg Sports Update brought to you by Tri-State Audi. All right, Nathan, the World Series blowout. The Phillies tied a record with five home runs. The Astros had only five hits. The Phillies won game three, seven to nothing. They lead the series two to one. Bryce Harper got him going. Two-run shot first inning. Alec Bohm, Brandon Marsh, both with homers an inning later. And then in the fifth, Kyle Schwarber with a man on. Went back-to-back with Reese Hoskins. All five homers came off Houston's Lance McCullers. The Astros were shut down by Rangers Suarez and four Philly relievers. Game four is tonight. The soap opera continues in Brooklyn as the Nets turn a surprising firing of Coach Steve Nash considering how early in the season it is. GM Sean Marks called it more of a mutual decision. We both felt that this was, this was time. Uh, it was certainly training in that way. And to be quite frank, the team was, uh, was not doing what it was supposed to be doing. You know, we, we have, we've fallen. Um, from our goals, of meeting our goals, and it was it was time now because we still have uh, lofty aspirations of where we need to get to. And then came the news of who's expected to replace Nash. Ime Udoka currently suspended by the Celtics. There was a relationship with a Celtics employee, reportedly inappropriate text messages. He did coach the Celts for the NBA Finals last season. Jacques Vaughn coached the Nets last night. They fell to two and six. Lost at Barclays to Chicago, one hundred eight to ninety nine. As the Bulls, Zach Levine scored twenty fourth quarter points. He outscored the Nets by himself. Local hockey, all three teams won. The Rangers won nothing over the Flyers on a Chris Kreider breakaway goal with less than a minute to go in overtime. The Islanders won 3-1 at Chicago. The Devils won 5-2 at Vancouver. Former Giants coach John McVay has passed away at 91. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? Thanks, John. 637 on Wall Street. Time to take a look at stocks. Some of the names moving in the pre-market with Bloomberg Radio and TV Markets correspondent Kriti Gupta. And Kriti Karen just mentioned that CVS has confirmed it's uh, part of the uh, major opioid settlement that reportedly uh, Walgreens Boots Alliance and Walmart are part of as well. But CVS just reported earnings as well. They did just report earnings. They came out with a really actually kind of beating on the EPS front and the cash flow front. Remember, Nathan, liquidity is a really important part of the story right now. They did, however, lower their full year guidance. So that's going to be significant. Nevertheless, it looks like investors kind of looking through it. 
CVS is not only the name of the company, it's also the ticker. Shares are up about 5.2% in the pre-market. But like I said, they are they did lower their full-year guidance. So I'm curious to see what they uh, certainly say on their earnings call. Yeah, and uh, speaking of earnings, also got to talk about AMD. That's one of the biggest movers this morning. It absolutely is. Uh, AMD Advanced Micro Devices, as is otherwise known, shares are up about 4% in the pre-market. Now, they came out and they actually beat all those profit estimates. Now, this is really important because a lot of these chip companies have been talking about the global macroeconomic kind of backdrop and the slowdown that you're seeing, especially the supply chain issues that are really eating into their bottom line. AMD is doing something different, though. They're diversifying, and that's going to be a really key part of the strategy. It's something we've seen with NVIDIA as well, for example, diversifying not only from graphics chips, but also into things like data warehouses that could one day power the metaverse. Uh, Advanced Micro Devices is no exception. They're actually looking to expand further into server processors, and this is going to offset some of the slumps that you're seeing in the personal computer market. Remember, that's something that we heard from HP and from Dell as well, that the PC market is really slowing down. But it looks like AMD for now is in the green, Nathan. Like I said, the shares up 4.2% in the pre-market. Now, we also got some earnings, Creedy, uh, from a company that might be uh, something of a bellwether for the pandemic reopening, right? A little bit. ABNB for Airbnb, down about 6% in the pre-market. Now, their fourth quarter outlook really disappointed. Those forecasts that you're starting to see is that perhaps the consumer isn't actually looking at pursuing probably higher cost rentals. That was a big trend during the pandemic where people were remote working. You could go to Hawaii and work for a company here in New York. A lot of my friends did that. Not better at all. But <laughs> uh, the, it looks like that trend is is kind of dropping a little bit. A lot of those return to work um, trends are eating into their bottom lines. Nevertheless, ABNB is your ticker down 6%, Nathan. Yeah, I'd kind of forgotten about that trend. Now I'm feeling a little bitter as well yeah. this morning. Thanks for that, Creedy. Good to talk with you. Bloomberg Radio TV markets correspondent Creedy Gupta, of course, uh, waiting for the market open as well with the Fed decision later on this afternoon. Could see some more volatility there as well. But uh, right now, futures are trading little change with S&P futures down a point. Dow futures down 44. NASDAQ futures higher by 12 points. This is Bloomberg. And Bloomberg Sports is brought to you by Audi. Don't let someone else drive off. In the Audi model you've always wanted, visit your local Tri-State Audi dealer to get behind the wheel of yours today or visit AudiOffers.com for more information. Headlines and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow, and S&P and Dow futures are little changed to lower, while NASDAQ futures are still on the rise. Let's go to the first word breaking news desk for today's morning call. Here's Bill Maloney. Bill, good morning. And good morning, Ken. That's right. U.S. futures are trading mixed right now. Dow futures down 48 points. SBs drop a point, and NASDAQ futures are still higher by 12. The U.S. 10 yield at 4.04%. Gold is up 9. Oil is in the red. And Bitcoin is trading little changed. Hong Kong rose 2.4% overnight, while European markets are little changed this morning. And back in the U.S. on the economic front at 8.15, ADP employment change. And at 2 o'clock, the FOMC rate decision. After the bell last night, AMD topped estimates. Airbnb gave a disappointing outlook. And EA cut its forecast. And regarding some of the earnings this morning, CVS and Estee Lauder 
both beat estimates. In deal news, DuPont scrapped the $5.2 billion takeover of Rogers. And in other news, Credit Suisse cut to one level above junk status by S&P. Rabbit figs up Echolab was cut to hold over at Deutsche Bank. Live from the First Republic News Desk, I'm Bill Maloney. Care. All right, Bill, thank you. And to hear live breaking news of your Bloomberg-type squawk on your terminal, SQUAWK and CVS also announced a tentative settlement for litigation over its alleged involvement in the opioid crisis. And now uh, that's a Bloomberg business flash. Now we go to Michael Barr for a check of what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. Senior Russian military leaders are said to have recently discussed the use of nuclear weapons on Ukraine. The New York Times reports that's according to senior American officials. U.S. officials say, though, they had not seen any evidence that Moscow is moving nuclear weapons into place. Brazilian President Jair Bolsonaro vowed to respect the Constitution and authorize the government to start the political transition after his loss to Luis Ignacio Lula da Silva. Game three of the World Series, the Phillies shut out the Astros 7-zip. Philadelphia now leads the series two games to one. In the NBA, after firing head coach Steve Nash, the Nets lost to the Bulls 108-99. The Warriors lost. NHL, the Rangers won in overtime against the Flyers 1-zip. The Islanders, Devils, and Capitals all won. The Bruins won in OT 6-5 over the Penguins. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries, I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg Karen. All right, Michael, thank you. It is 649 on Wall Street, and we turn to news and science and technology now with the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report brought to you by New Jersey Institute of Technology, ranked a top 100 national university by U.S. News and World Report and number 14 in the nation on money's best colleges list. Learn more at njit.edu. Now here's what's making news in science, technology, engineering, and math. Amazon.com is freezing staffing levels and its profitable advertising business as it takes more measures to align expenses with slowing sales. Sources say Amazon will continue to fill vacancies in its advertising business but won't create any new positions. Amazon's advertising business largely sponsored search results on its web store, generated more than $9.5 billion last quarter. China is ordering steps that will severely curtail shipments in and out of the world's largest iPhone factory. Beijing is imposing a seven-down lockdown of the area in Shanghai. That would be a seven-day lockdown of the area. That's after the number of COVID cases in the city almost quadrupled from Monday to Tuesday. Hong Kong is fighting to prove it's still a dominant financial center. That's despite three years of tough COVID restrictions and political upheaval. Officials say the city's advantage is its superconnector role to mainland China to show off its comeback. Hong Kong is holding a summit this week that includes top bosses from all of the biggest global banks. And that's the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. Nathan. All right, Karen, thank you. We are live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. We're at 651 on Wall Street. Time now to check what's going on in D.C. Besides today's Fed decision, some of the other top stories in our nation's capital include President Biden slamming Florida's governor as Trump incarnate. Also making news, U.S. officials saying Russian military leaders discussed using nuclear weapons in Ukraine. Saudi Arabia and the U.S. sharing intel on a possible attack from Iran. And the Afghanistan watchdog saying the Biden administration is shunning his queries. Let's get more on some of these stories now. Bloomberg government reporter Emily Wilkins joins us from the nation's capital. So, Emily, President Biden's back on the campaign trail, but in his latest appearance, it almost feels like a preview of uh, uh, coming attractions in 2024. 
It absolutely does, Nathan. It was an interesting choice for Biden decide to decide to go to Florida uh, rather than some other states uh, that, you know, voted for him and supported him and have a few more competitive races. Of course, they have a competitive race uh, for governor. Charlie Crist is running against Ron DeSantis, who has mentioned very often as a potential frontrunner for the Republican presidential nominee in 2024 if Trump doesn't win. And part of the reason is that there is a lot of overlap between how DeSantis uh, speaks, the style that he uses, and the style that, that Trump uses. And so you did see Biden go ahead, call that out. And really a reminder that as soon as midterms are done next week, there are definitely going to be people in D.C. who pivot toward the 2024 presidential election. Um, and, you know, that's also an interesting dynamic, uh, just because you did see the two of them work pretty closely together uh, when Hurricane Ian slammed into Florida. Uh, the two, Biden and DeSantis, uh, had a solid working relationship. They both complimented how each other handled everything. Uh, but, you know, given what we saw from Biden on the campaign trail yesterday, it is right back to politics as normal. So is this a sign that the pivot is happening a little early, Emily, that Democrats may be acknowledging what we're hearing from a lot of analysts, that uh, the Democrats are set to lose uh, quite a number of seats in the House next week? I mean, I think Democrats understand the level of trouble that they are in. Uh, Headwinds were always going to be against them. Uh, the fact that Biden's poll numbers were low and remained low hurt them. The fact that inflation is high and has remained high has hurt them. Uh, Democrats, you've seen them really struggle. I mean, you have started to see seats where Biden won by 20 percentage points come into competitive territory. And that is just a huge flashing red light for what's going to be happening here with with the House. And it's notable that, you know, when Biden was on the campaign trail, it's not that he was out there for the House or for the he was campaigning with Charlie Crist, who is seeking to be governor, uh, which, you know, is, is certainly obviously a position of power, uh, but not one that Biden's going to have to directly interact with every day in D.C. as he does with members of Congress. Right. Uh, well, let's turn to some geopolitical developments this morning. There have been quite a few, uh, including this report that Michael mentioned from The New York Times that p- could potentially back some of uh, President Biden's earlier warnings about the nuclear threat coming out of Russia. Yeah, this is only really going to heighten concerns around that threat. The New York Times is reporting that senior Russian military officials recently had conversations to discuss when and how Moscow might use a tactical nuclear weapon in Ukraine. Uh, We know that from reporting that President Vladimir Putin was not a part of those conversations, but just the fact that you have senior Russian military leaders even having discussions was very alarming to the Biden administration. American officials are still saying they have no evidence that the Russians are moving forward with nuclear weapons. But of course, this is such a sensitive subject. Tensions are so high right now that even the fact that these conversations took place um, is really of high concern. There has been a very close watch on Russia, a very uh, lots of questions about what Russia might do next, uh, given that that they are, you know, there are plenty of signs that they are, are losing this war in Ukraine and what that's going to mean as far as their next move goes. Also, some really interesting reporting from Bloomberg News this morning about intel sharing between the U.S. and Saudi Arabia about Iran. Very interesting. 
Yeah, the U.S. and Saudi Arabia have uh, been sharing information indicating that Iran uh, might attack Saudi Arabia or other nations sometime soon. And this is, of course, leading uh, Washington and uh, Iran in uh, Saudi Arabia, rather, to adjust their military posture. Uh, folks who did, talked uh, with Bloomberg for the story, as well as for the Wall Street Journal, who also reported similar, uh, said that they part of the attacks could be an effort to distract from nationwide protests. Uh, in Iran that have roiled the country in recent weeks. Um, and I think, again, this is just another area where there are lots of questions about, about what could happen. And the U.S. is very much in a position of being aware, being alert, um, and, and trying to continue to gather intel on what might be happening. That raises some questions as well about the U.S.-Saudi relationship, given that uh, it's not exactly been warm over the last several months following the OPEC decision. It absolutely hasn't. There's definitely been a lot of frustration there. Uh, President Joe Biden said that he plans to recalibrate the two countries' uh, relationship with OPEC. Uh, And he has a lot of concerns, I think, just in general about uh, Mohammed bin Salman, the leader of that country, and and what he's done in the past. Uh, At the same point, I think there is also, again, uh, the U.S. and and Saudi Arabia are brought together uh, by the tactical needs of the region, the interests of both in the region, um, and just making sure that that going forward, their interests are protected. All right, Emily, thanks as always. Bloomberg government reporter Emily Wilkins with us this morning from the nation's capital. Read more on all these stories at Bloomberg.com or on the Bloomberg Terminal. Listen to Bloomberg Radio in Washington, Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. You'll definitely want to tune in beginning at 1.30 p.m. Wall Street time on a special edition of Bloomberg Surveillance ahead of the Fed decision at 2 Chairman Powell's news conference at 2.30. We'll be carrying you along as ever when the Fed decides later this afternoon. Futures trading little changed ahead of that. Bloomberg Surveillance, the morning edition is next. For Karen Moscow, I'm Nathan Hager, and this is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum, powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at CarterEconomicForum.com.